Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. risen Savior. He is alive. He hears our prayers. We can communicate with Him every day uh, in an intimate way because when we pray, He hears us. This morning, I want to talk about this remark. Are you ready? Are you ready? Maybe you're going to ask me the question, am I ready? Am I ready for what? Am I ready for what? Well, let's take a look at some scripture today. Because each and every person in this room needs to be ready. We all need to be ready. So turn to Hebrews chapter 9. If you have your Bible app, that's the Version Bible app, you can go over into the menu section, hit events, and you will find our digital bulletin there. You can follow along and take notes if you've created an account. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 24 says, For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, at the end of the ages, he's appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, this is what we must, we must be ready for. As it is appointed to men, for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, so Christ, was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly await for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Are you ready? That's the, this is the, probably the most important question on any test you will ever have. I know some of y'all, you've taken your SATs, you think those were important questions? Some of you are at work and you're getting called up to the uh, upstairs office and you're facing the boss and there's some serious questions that he has for you. You think those are kind of important? Or maybe you're a husband and you came home after fishing and you stayed out a little too late and your wife says, where were you? And you think that's an important question, right? Or maybe your husband is going over the bills and he notices an extra thousand dollars spent that wasn't agreed upon and maybe... He looks at you and said, where were you? And maybe that's an important question, or vice versa. Like in my house, it would prob- probably be vice versa on that, right? Those, those might be important or seem like they're important questions, but they're not the most important question. Are you ready for judgment? Are you ready to meet your maker? Judgment is inescapable, Judgment is inescapable. We will all stand before God 
at one throne or another. And when he was talking about Jesus fulfilling these sacrifices, he was explaining to these Jewish Christians that in the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle, they had the temple, they had the brazen altar, they had all of these different items in the temple. And what was, what was the author of Hebrews alluding to? He was saying, these are all copies of what's in heaven. They're inferior to what's in heaven. And not only are the copies inferior on the earth, the temple is a copy, it's inferior. The altars are copies, they're inferior. But so too are the sacrifices inferior, okay, to the sacrifice of Christ. They're so inferior that they had to be offered every single year. The high priest had to keep going and going and going because there was no sacrifice that was potent enough to cleanse the sins of a man from his birth to his death until Christ. And this is what he's talking about. Those who look forward to the appearing of Christ are those who have trusted in him for their eternal salvation. Those who are looking forward to the second coming of Christ are those who have trusted in Jesus, and when he appears, there will be great joy. But for those who have not yet trusted in Christ, when he appears... There is great terror, as well there should be, because most in the world, and this is biblical, most in the world will not be ready. Jesus says, narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few there be that find it. My hope and prayer is that you are one of the few. Judgment is inescapable. Let's take a look at our maker first, though. I think sometimes we, we don't think this question of are you ready is really that big a deal because we haven't considered our maker. We haven't really thought about God as he is displayed in the word of God. Are you ready to meet your maker? Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Read with me if you have your Bibles. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Those are angels, okay? Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts and the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Meet your Maker. This is the Creator of heaven and earth. In His throne room are angels that cry out night and day, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of His glory. And I want you to think of it as a round. One side cries out, the other side cries out. And if you've been with me for a while, you've, you've heard me explain this passage before. 
This is, a te- this is a terrifying scene that Isaiah is caught up into. And the cacophony of sound is so loud that the pillars of the temple are shaking. And the glory of God is so powerful that smoke fills the room. This is reminiscent of the book of Exodus when the children of Israel were being led out of slavery, at night there was a pillar of fire representing the Shekinah glory of the Holy Spirit of God at night. And during the day there was a pillar of smoke or a pillar of cloud representing the glory of God. This is what I believe was in the temple room of God. His holiness, His majesty fills this place unlike anything you could possibly imagine. Has anyone ever gotten in trouble before? Raise your hand. Thank you. There's a few honest people here. Anyone ever had to go to the principal's office? Anybody ever get kicked out of class? Why is my son and I both raising our hands? And Chloe too? Why don't I know about this? She's lucky she's 18 now. We'll have to have a conversation. Um, do you remember that feeling you had? I remember when I was fired one, one time. I know you're shocked. So was I. I worked for Kmart when I was 16. And I was a little, um, what's the word? Well, just fill in the blank. Uh, you probably guessed it. And I had an attitude a mile high and a mile deep. And I had done some pretty stupid things and uh, got called into the um, manager's office. You remember that feeling? I wasn't feeling very confident. I wasn't going in there to get a raise. And uh, it's interesting because when he fired me, and this is going to happen in the last days, when he explained to me what I had done wrong and he fired me, do you know what was in my heart? Repentance. Remorse, sorrow. No, none of those things. I was angry and I stormed out of that store. My girlfriend Trish was working at the service desk. You remember Kmart on South Willow Street way back in the day? She's my wife now. She put up with all of that. I threw my time card at her and I punched the door open. I was just angry. This is what will happen at the last days. When God judges people, Forget about remorse. They curse him. You might say, I would never do that. But if you don't know Christ, you're going to find yourself in a very different position than those who know him. Isaiah had a dead religion. Isaiah was a prophet of God who wrote this book of prophecy about 700 years before Jesus was born. He He prophesied the birth of Christ. He foretold its coming. This was arguably a great man. And he stood in this temple of God, and when he saw the majesty and the holiness of God, his response was, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. He had embraced the dead forms of religion, but had lost their meaning. 
And he was specific. He knew. He knew the sins that he had been involved in. A man of corrupt speech, unclean lips. Where are you this morning? And are you ready to meet your Maker this morning? Isaiah had a, a dead religion. He had a religion that wasn't potent enough to cleanse his sins. He recognized immediately when he came into the presence of the Holy One that he did not measure up. Many people had that same experience with Jesus, the Son of God. Matter of fact, Paul the Apostle is one such man. Paul the Apostle was riding on this road leading to a town called Damascus, and, and he, was, he was a hyper-religious person. Paul was what maybe you would think of as a pastor today, or a pastor of pastors. And he had a writ in his hands that he could go and take into captivity any Jew who was worshiping Jesus, because that went against a Jewish religion. And he was going to bring them back in chains. He had already caused great persecution and a terrible stir in Jerusalem. So much so, this is how, no, how much notoriety Paul had. The Christians in Damascus, when they heard that Paul was there, in fact, his name was Saul at that point, they wanted nothing to do with him. Even after his testimony of salvation, Christians wanted nothing to do with him. And he had to have another brother come in with him and vouch for him that this dude was okay. Right? This is Saul. This is now Paul who wrote, by the way, if you're not ready yet and you come to Christ and your life is horrible and miserable and you have filled it with sin... And you're sitting here this morning and you say, there's no possible way God wants me, no possible way God could use me. Can I tell you that you probably have not stood at the murder of a deacon of a church? You probably not held the robes of those that beat someone to death? That was Paul the Apostle. He was a wreck. He was a mess. His conscience was broken and he dealt with a lot of it for the rest of his life. Wherever you're at, God can take you out of it and use you for great, great things. Well, Paul, being the religious man that he was, he was well acquainted with religion, and he was well acquainted with how useless dead religion could be. I've often uh, said this, that I hate religion, but I love the church, and I love Jesus. There's, there was a poem, uh, uh, it was spoken word art going around several years ago called Why I love Jesus but hate the church. And the author of that poem, most of the stuff he got right, what he got wrong was I hate the church because the church, a true church of Jesus, is not a place of dead, dead religion. A true church of Jesus Christ is a place of grace and mercy and truth. A true church brings the truth and grace in abundant measure. This morning we're dealing with truth that we will all die and then we will face judgment, and that dead religion will not save us. This man, Paul, that I was just alluding to, he wrote this to his son in the faith, Timothy. In, in this, this book of Timothy, it's a letter written to, to this young pastor, and in it he says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. 
For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he gives us the rob. Here's the rob. We think, oh, that's terrible. But then he tells us who they are. They're the religious ones. They're the ones who have a dead religion. They have a form of godliness. But denying its power. And Paul says to Timothy, from such, turn away. These people are powerless and they are empty. If you're relying on anything but Jesus Christ alone, for the salvation of your eternal soul. These two words describe you. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be honest. This was me. This, uh, this described me until the day I met Jesus. I tried to be good. I tried to do good. I had an empty and powerless religion. I thought that somehow, some way, I could fix myself but I couldn't, and I still can't. I still need Jesus today as much as I needed him the day I turned to him. There are many today, even in churches, that are empty and powerless and lost to spiritual things. There is Jude. Now, Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. There is Jude described. He says this. He said this, Beware of men creeping into churches with nefarious intent. Oh my word, there's spots in your love feasts while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, their clouds without water, carried about by winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That, my friends, is dead religion. And it's all over the world today. It's all over the world today. What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? What you trust in will determine what judgment you face. Let's take a look at the judgment. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. This would terrify me if I didn't know Jesus. Again, we're back in the throne room of God, and, and the Apostle John writes this letter. He says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his work. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And here it is, anyone not found written 
in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What will those who do not know Christ be judged by? Well, let's take a look at Matthew. Therefore, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. Now, who is Jesus talking to here? He's talking to the dead religious ones. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will, be give, they will give an account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And what we learn in these two passages of Scripture, in Revelation, he says the books were opened, and those who were not found in the Lamb's book of life are going to be judged by what? In the passage of Revelation that I just read, in the passage of Revelation that I just read, it says they will be judged by their works, by their deeds. They will be judged by their actions. And Jesus, now he elaborates here, and he said those, those people will be judged by the idle words that they speak. Are you ready? So, <clears throat> I want this to sink deep. What we say and what we do reveal what we believe. What we say and what we do reveal what we believe. And what you will find at the great white throne judgment is this fact. Not only are, there, are their names not found written in the book of life, but by their actions and their deeds, they will reveal that they did not believe that Jesus was a Christ, the Son of the living God. What we do and what we say reveals what we believe. Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead, Romans chapter 10. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, in the mouth, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. I can imagine the great white throne judgment. And the book's being opened, and they're looking to see what was said. And in the book of their entire history, there will not be a moment where they confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Every word examined, and not one that proclaims Christ the Son of the living God. There is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who will call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the pages of your book, imagine you're at that moment, and the pages of the book of your life are being rustled, and the judge is looking, 
Will he find the moment where you cried out to Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse your soul, to give you a home in heaven, and to make you a child of God? Will you, listen, will he find that moment in the book of your life? Will he find it? Are you ready? Do you know him? This determines where you will be judged. Do you know him? Do you know him? I'll have the worship team come up. I keep asking this question over and over again. I used to pastor a church north of here. And um, I, would share, I would share salvation every week. And this is what we're talking about. Salvation is the redemption of your eternal soul. You're either going to stand at the great white throne judgment or you'll stand at the bema seat of Christ and receive rewards. And I would preach salvation, the gospel every week until someone said to me, don't you know how to preach anything else? And I know some of you have heard pastors give this illustration. You've heard that, right? This is, this is like real life. I actually, and I think Trish could probably guess who it was that said it. Don't you know how to preach anything else? Um, it was an older saint. And I said, well, this is the most important message man could ever hear. Is that Jesus Christ died for your sin. And that he rose from the grave so that if you will turn to him and call on him to be your savior, you will be cleansed of your sins past, present, and future. And so often, I'll have a slide that kind of looks something like that or it has those words on it. Do you know him? Week after week, month after month, year after year, I ask this question, do you know him? Have you trusted in him to be your one and only savior? Does his word rule your life? Are you impacted by your faith? What you believe must impact how you live. Has it changed you at all? Man, if you can't answer yes to these questions, will you say yes to Jesus once and for all today? you sense the power of belief in your heart this morning? Do you sense a stirring in your heart that says, I must trust this Jesus? If you do, I hope you will bow your head now with me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Will you ask Jesus to be your Savior? Or will you stand before the great white throne one day and be judged by the works and words of your life, devoid of a relationship with Jesus? A relationship with Jesus reveals that you are indeed a child of God. But if you don't have that relationship, your works and your words will reveal it to the Father. And you'll be judged by those works and words and you'll be sentenced accordingly. But the only way to escape that white throne judgment is by trusting in Jesus. He is the Lord. 
He came to die to take your place personally, you, me. And he rose from the grave so that if we will call upon him in a pure faith, he will save our eternal soul. He will give us a new life. If you'd like to trust in him, if you'd like to have those words written on the pages of your book, would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, God in heaven, Holy Spirit, I come before you. And I know, I recognize that I am a sinner. Lord, with my mouth and with my deeds and with my thoughts, and I cannot fix myself. I can't clean myself up. I can't wash away the sin in my life. I feel like Isaiah felt, I am undone. I am a man or a woman of unclean lips, of a nation of unclean lips. God, I see my sin, but through it I see hope in Jesus. And your word says that if I would call upon the name of the Lord, believing that he rose from the grave, that I would be saved. And Father, I feel that stirring in my heart, and I'm asking you to save me in the name of Jesus Christ by his sacrifice, not by my good works, but by his. Lord Jesus, would you be my savior? I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.